welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. Today, we welcome Coastly Cummings. Coastly is a self taught content strategist and copywriter based in Seoul, South Korea, by way of New York City, San Francisco, and Salt Lake City. She's a self-proclaimed generalist who loves reading young adult fiction, going on long walks, and watching The Bachelor. Like many moms, she's navigating parenting and her professional goals and returned to the workforce full-time after seven years of being a stay-at-home mom by sending one brave email to almost every woman she knows. That email turned into a six-figure job that altered the course of her career. Now she's passionate about helping other women get brave and send that one scary email that could change everything. We are going to talk about the details of Coastly's career path, career break, her famous email, her blog post about her relaunch, and where she is today. Coastly, welcome to 321 I Relaunch. Thanks so much for having me, Carol. I'm happy to be here. Well, it's great to be talking to you, and I'm noting that you're in Seoul, and I'm here in Boston, and so it's night for me and morning for you, and it's just fun to be having this conversation, um, knowing that you are half a world away. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we became aware of you and your relaunch when we saw this incredible article that you posted called The Email That Got Me a Six-Figure Job After Seven Years as a stay-at-home mom. And we're going to get into the details of that article in a few minutes. But first, could we start by asking you to give our listeners an overview of your career path leading up to your career break? Sure. Thank you so much. So a little bit about me. Um, I was an English major, and I never knew what copywriting was (laughs) until I was quite a bit older. Um, So I kind of fell into it in a lot of ways, but I've always been business-minded and really interested in marketing. So I also really wanted to work in book publishing. So when my husband and I moved to New York City, that was the ultimate goal. I wanted to be an editor at one of the big publishing houses. I did end up um, working at a large publishing house for a while, but not in an editorial role, and quickly found that it would take years for me to work up that ladder, and I knew that I wanted several children. And I knew that we wouldn't be in New York forever. We wanted to be closer to family back West. So it wasn't going to be a route (laughs) that was going to work out for me. And that was really hard. That was something I'd worked for through college and had always planned on. Um, But someone at this large publishing house saw something in me and said, hey, if you do leave, we have copywriting freelance for you. You can write book jacket copy for, for my imprint. Wow. And that was enough for me to, I left my job just on, just on a wing and a prayer, hoping that I would have a little bit of work. And so I started working for this publishing house, writing book jacket copy. And I also, um, and this kind of rolled into something much bigger, but my husband is a graphic designer turned product designer and now like a design director. But at the time we lived in Brooklyn, New York, and we had a lot of friends who were also designers and they were they kind of knew I liked to write, write and read, but I didn't do it formally. I kind of had done a little bit of things here or there for my husband um, for projects he would freelance for. And they were asking me all the time to do work for them. And so once I left my full-time job, I thought, you know, I could just start doing this. I think I can get paid 
to do this work that these designers don't want to do. They don't want to write. They need someone to do the copy. So I actually had a lot of work from that. It was, it kind of, um, it was always word of mouth. I never like advertised. My husband helped me build a website. He's can code and stuff. So we kind of built that together. And then I started doing these side projects too, to kind of get my name out there. So one of the first projects I did was called something called, it was called Inadvertent Haiku. And the idea behind the blog was that I would write a haiku about the date, the top daily news. And then it would be illustrated by, uh, or designed by a designer that we knew or a friend of a friend or that kind of thing. So I did this for like a few months and it got picked up by like trend hunter and like a few different outlets. It was just a really fun way to network and, um, to be honest, just to hold myself accountable for doing something creative every yeah. day, having mm-hmm. a project, you know, if you're not getting as much work that you want, I've always say it's good to just make your own things and put them out there. And if, you know, there's a kind of work that you want to be doing and you don't have a paid version of that, just do it for free and put it out there. And I was at a place we didn't have kids and it was kind of like, I can do this. So I kind of freelanced and then, you know, within a couple years I had, so I had my children really close. I have four sons and I had them all within six years. Wow. <laughs> so we had two in New York city and then two later in California. So I don't want to skip over what the weight of having children is and like the mm-hmm. huge adjustment. Um, and we went, my husband went through a couple like career transformations, working for a very small startup. We took a lot of really big risks early on, like him leaving his job, full-time job with benefits two weeks after we had our first son to, to basically start a startup with someone he had just met. And so I think, I think we were on this like path of like, okay, we're investing a lot now, but we weren't willing to wait. We knew we wanted to have children young and we, let's do it. We're just going to go for this. So there was a lot of, um, anxiety and stress around around um, building up that foundation of both of our careers. But for me, I really wanted to be home with our son. And I also feel like I needed, I really felt like deep inside me that I wanted to be there at home, kind of holding the home base because my husband was working all the time. We're talking like 90, 100 hours a week. Like I wasn't seeing him for days on end. And so we had to balance each other out. There was no way I was going to be working full time and being super ambitious so that I pulled back. Right. Mm -hmm. At the same time with the internet, like so many women at home, it was like, he, my son naps. I do have some, this time where I want to be creatively filled and I want to make money. I need to be making money. So blogging, that was a huge thing for me. I had my own personal blog, but I started blogging for larger blogs like design mom and Gabrielle Blair of design mom, truly altered the course of my life by offering me a position as her discovery editor. It changed everything for me. I had a byline. And so I was getting emails left and right, asking people to feature things on her blog. And she just really mentored me and helped me understand this space a lot more. And I had been, you know, really involved in like the mom, you call it mom blogging, but obviously Mm -hmm. it's so much more mom, mom blogging, design blogging, the children and family and like kind of that trendsetter early. When did I start? Um, late. It was like 2008, 2009, 2010. That's when it was like really starting to pick up. So Mm -hmm. it was a part of that. And it was really, um, huge for me to be able to, to learn from her and to be a part of that community. So I think working for her and then, um, having my name on there created lots of different opportunities with my own blog, 
And then I had our second son in New York. We moved to California. And my career was very much on the back burner. We had two small children. And then we moved to California for um, my husband's career. You know, his was, he was the, the breadwinner. And I think in the back of my mind, and I think a lot of women who are ambitious feel this. It's like, it's hard sometimes. It's hard not to be yep. You love being home with your kids. I felt so passionate about about being there with them and like being the person who was seeing all of their firsts. And I had a lot of fun too. Like I had a lot of fun stay-at-home moms that I was able to spend time with during the day and in the evening when the kids were in bed and my husband was home, right? And that kind of thing. But it was so lonely sometimes Mm -hmm. and so hard. And I felt like you know, I grew up in a faith culture um, where marriage and family was really valued. And I felt like I was raised with a lot of the skills that would make me a good homemaker and a fantastic partner. And um, when it came down to it, I often felt resentful because I was like, is this what it is? Is this what everyone's doing and no one's telling each other this is actually what it is? Mm-hmm. It's being inside every evening at like 6.30 because my kids, co- you know, like never seeing the sun, never being out at, at in the evening and um, just having so little time to myself and um, very little room to develop my own talents and to, and to like be a little bit more than a mom, you know? And I think that as a, when they're so young, that can be really difficult. But yeah. I think when we moved to California, I kind of matured a little bit. And I also, you know, kind of got I don't know if you want to ask me about this more later, but I feel like it's really pivotal in my career actually is my mental health. Mm-hmm. It was me returning to work and knowing that I needed to work more was a very, it was me listening to my inner voice. I think I'd been silencing it and not prioritizing myself. And I knew that me working, me w- making money, me writing and being ambitious with what I wanted and like letting myself being seen outside of my home was intrinsic to me feeling like full. And so I really struggled with my mental health when my children were small and being with other people really helped. But when we moved from New York to California, it was a huge, huge transition. And I left a strong support network back in New York um, with friends and some family and the bottom really dropped out. It was Mm -hmm. like, I can't do this. Like I had two small kids and my husband got home very late and we didn't see him very much. Long commute, at least a lot of what people experience. It was just like, I can't do this. And it like, you know, I finally got some help from like a psychiatrist and started taking care of my mental health and realized I had like, you know, had had severe postpartum depression that had never been managed. I had tried to manage on my own, but really I needed something more and I needed more support. But that point, you know, I think it was still uphill from there for for a while and we had more children but finally letting realizing that I needed help and it wasn't just getting a job but it was like the actual literal mental health and I needed a break and I needed more support on the ground was huge for me and it was a it was a a step in the direct direction of me being able to communicate what I wanted which ultimately led to me being able to return to work full-time and prioritize me just because mm-hmm. I wanted to do that, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if it meant sacrifices for our family, that's because I wanted it. It was enough. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for walking through that. There were so many things that you talked about that I related to <laughs> directly. And this whole idea about having ambition that you kind of have to put on the back burner 
and feeling like you're the enabler for everyone else to reach their goals in your family and other people except for yourself. Uh, and then um, figuring out what exactly is that that needs to change in order for things to feel like they're in the right place for you. And that's a journey for sure. And it takes time and, and it's kind of an evolution. So thanks for being so frank about that and and really walking us through. I know our listeners are going to be really relating directly and and identifying with this. Um, So let me just ask you one clarification with the design mom role. How did you like, did you sort of fall into that or did you volunteer for it? Like, how did you actually get mentored by her? Sure. I, she listed a job posting. She was hiring a discovery editor and it was a remote position. I think at the time she was based in France and she's in France again, lives there again. But at the time she was in abroad and I had followed her blog for years. I was like a super fan. I was a super fan. And the fact that it was, I was like, I know this, I know this, I know her audience. I know I can write. I know I can write for her. I know I can do a really good job. So I applied and I knew a hundred other or more other women were going to be applying too, because absolutely in an d- ideal um, position, it was remote. And that was so rare, you know, part-time yeah. remote kind of thing to work for this blog you already love. So I, I asked five women who um, were somewhat in the internet space who had blogs or otherwise I asked them to write emails for me to her to recommend me. Wow. Um, and I think that she didn't know me from anyone else. And I think that, right. uh, I think that made a difference. So. That's great. Um, so you were doing this like part-time remote role and do you still all that time, do you consider yourself still on career break during that time? Because it was intermittent <laughs> and, and then like you were working and then did you stop doing that for a while or what happened there? Yeah, yeah it was intermittent. Um, and it depended on how pregnant I was and how oh, sick yeah. I was and <laughs> yeah. how much we could afford baby, part-time babysitting or if I could get my kids into a preschool, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many elements to like how much you can work <laughs> at any given time. And like I said, we had children very close together. So there was times of like ext- big intensity, but yeah. I always tried, I remember someone I don't know, some Facebook group years ago. And I've heard this other other places, but I remember it just hitting me between the eyes. It was like 10 years ago. And it was someone who, you know, was in their 50s, a woman on this group with a, I think she had been, she was like a lawyer, a successful lawyer or something. And she was saying, whatever you do, just keep your toe, a toe in. Yep. Just keep a toe in the water. Mm-hmm. If you can, sometimes you can't just like keep a toe in the water. It's me. Sorry. I don't know. But I feel like there were just times where, like, I just felt like my toe was getting pulled. I was like, that's the one thing I have still, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a lot of things I loved and, and people that I loved, but I just felt like the one thing I still had was that I would keep my toe and I would write for a blog here or there. I would pick up a freelance assignment here or there. And there were times where it was quite busy and I was making good money and like landing clients like 
I was working with like Airbnb or Penguin Random House or Johnson and Johnson, like these clients where I, I always felt like an imposter. I was like, if they knew I was at home in my pajamas with two little boys sleeping in the other room, mm. like I would not. I never felt like I could tell people what was, you know, who I really was. They wouldn't take me seriously. Like, oh, I was, you know, 28 and had two little kids. I couldn't do this. But the reality is, is like I could. And I was doing just as good of a job as like anyone else, right? I just needed that flexibility if people were willing to give it to me. But, you know, I think um, as I got a little bit older and even when I hit just 30, which I'm only 35, when I hit 30, it's something really – I had a really big – I call it like a spiritual – sorry. A a bit of a personal breakthrough realizing – I didn't need to care what other people thought and that I was mm-hmm. valid mm-hmm. And, and damn good at what I did. And I didn't need to hide that I had all these beautiful little boys at home and that there was nothing wrong with me wanting to be with them, but also wanting to do this other thing and needing a little more flexibility with my life and that I didn't need to apologize for my family. And I right. don't need to apologize for wanting what I wanted. Right. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot there and I, and I, and I understand it's, it's emotional. I, I mean, just to, it was emotional to be in it in the moment. It's emotional to like look back and sort of think through what was going on during that time. So let's fast forward a little bit into how, when you were, thinking about a job search and really thinking about how to get that full-time job. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about um, how you approached it? And were you looking for a, an extended period unsuccessfully before ultimately writing the email that you wrote? Yeah, that's a really good question. I hadn't been actively looking, but I'll admit that like, for eight, you know, whatever, 10 years, I would always casually look on LinkedIn and play with like, oh, I'm open to opportunities. <laughs> you know? right. and my mom was like, well, what if, you know, what if the most amazing opportunity came through and I really was able to pay for putting three small children into childcare, you know, that kind of thing. Or like, maybe I'd be so excited about the work that I would feel okay about going back to work or whatever, you know, that, so I always, always wanted in a way to keep myself open to that, but I was never actively, actively searching. However, I had had, um, before I moved from California, um, I got really serious about, (laughs) there was about three years where I actually got offered a full-time job each year. (laughs) So I would like, I would look for a job. I decide I'm going to find a job. I would look for a job. I would interview and, and I happened to get it each time. <laughs> and I would, and something about getting offered that and then being able to have the chance to say, to decide for myself, yes, I'm going to do this or no, I'm not going to do this. I, and reaffirmed to myself, like, oh, I, I do want to be there, you know, like just reaffirming mm-hmm. myself, having that option. I just need to always have the option so mm-hmm. that I knew for myself, like, no, I am deciding my life. I'm deciding my life. So for three years, every year, I was offered a job um, the last few years in California. And the last one um, made really helped me feel like, oh, I think 
I think I could do this. And we kind of just, you know, I feel like, oh, I, I think I just, um, based on the skills I had developed, um, there in an, it's more recent, but there's a role called the content strategist. And like over time, I've kind of moved from copywriting to content strategy and then begun, I've taken a few courses in like UX writing and the value mm. that, that companies place on content strategy and UX writing is sig- often significantly more than copywriting. And there was a period where there just weren't very many writers who could do that. And anyway, people were willing to train people who were apt at writing at these large tech companies in California and San Francisco. And so I was at this key place where they were very interested in me. Um, but anyway, I just decided not to do it. But it, but but that really gave me the confidence to say, hey, you know, if, if we want to stay in California, I think I could find something. I think we'd both have to work full time. We probably wouldn't be able to see our kids as much as we like, but we could make it work. So, but, but, mm-hmm. but to your question, prior to sending that, that specific email to look for something, I hadn't been actively looking. I had been actively avoiding, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> sending that email. I think mm-hmm. I tossed around the idea of sending that email for about, no kidding, like eight months in the back of my head. It just, mm-hmm. you know, I kept mm-hmm. thinking, like, oh no, you're getting so embarrassed. Like I can't send an email to people asking this and you know, All right. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. So you're saying that you got offered a job three different years in a row, but you said no at the end of the day because you realize, actually, maybe I'm not ready yet. Or, you know, now that I know that I actually I have this option, not going to do it. Yeah. And there's always other things that go into that equation. It's like the long an hour commute each way. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's a that's uh, that's probably something I'm not willing wasn't willing to do if I, unless I had to. And the other thing was sometimes those jobs, um, they don't always have the budget to do full time with benefits. So it would be like you know a, a a solid rate, but it was like I can't do this if you know I wanted the security of knowing I had the full time role if I was right. going to do the full time forty hours a week plus the commute kind of thing. So right. Yeah, makes sense. Um, oh, and just a note for our audience: UX is user experience. So some some people might not know what that is. So I just wanted to make it clear. Um, all right. So you said you kind of thought in your mind for about eight months. You kind of envisioned writing this letter, um, but I, when you were writing about it in your article, you said before you wrote it, you took the step where you were writing down all the possible contacts that you might send it to. And I was really intrigued by this because in our book, Back on the Career Track, and in our current roadmap product, we have a whole section on networking. And we look at networking in terms of contact pools. And we, the way we look at it is we break them into people from the past, people from your present, and then people from your future, which means you create organizations that don't exist yet, but we'll skip that part right now. So I just wanted to know when you start at, oh, and one of the things we also say is when you, when people start making these lists, don't censor yourself and don't worry like, well, I have no idea where that person is, or that person's never going to remember me, or they'll be mad or something. If I get in touch, I haven't been in touch. So I just wanted to know what was your, what were your criteria for putting people on the list? And like, did you look at your computer? Like, how did you even think about who to put on the list? And did you censor yourself in any way? That's a really, really good question. I keep a running Google Doc. It's not current. I haven't updated it for about a year. But I keep a, a Google Doc that lists, like, anyone I've met or worked with. 
Wow. That's pretty amazing that you do that. I I think I'm just obsessed with Google Docs. I just listen. (laughs) I think it helps like suit, like relax me to know that I like somehow, somehow like have organization in Google Docs. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, it's kind of a mess in there. But this document is very organized. (laughs) And so I've just, I've tried to list anyone I could remember that I've like had lunches with or worked with um, freelance or um, met at conferences or um, met at church that like we do so, you know, so, and they've like been interested yeah. in, you know, that kind of thing anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the years I've developed, like there's quite a list there from living, you know, I think we've been lucky living on both coasts and mm-hmm. just having really strong networks, both in California and New York and um, meeting a lot of really interesting people doing wild things, just really <laughs> unusual things. And people are always moving different places and moving back home or moving to other coasts or out of the country. So I've just been lucky to kind of have this long list, but um, I tried not to censor myself. I didn't keep it to other women that I knew worked. You know, there was lots of women who hadn't worked for 10, 15 years I put on the list because we all know it doesn't really, just because you have a full-time job does not you know, it doesn't mean that you're like connected or, you know what I'm saying? That you, right. you never know who knows who and you should never censor yourself. Um, and so I tried to just tell myself, um, you know, anyone who might care about me <laughs> that what might be invested in seeing someone like me, someone or you might see themselves in me or someone who was even really good friends with my husband or had worked with my husband and that I had met briefly. Um, there were friends that were teachers at like a local high school. I mean, it was not anything related even to my industry. A lot of the, the, but there were mostly women, but there were a few men, but it was mostly women. Um, Because I just felt like if I was going to send this kind of email, women, when women will talk, right? And if, and I felt like this is a slightly vulnerable email to send the way I'm going about this. So I just felt like I'm going to need women on the other side of this. Mm -hmm. I think it would be more well-received. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just hoping that everyone is listening really carefully because you are illustrating exactly what you should do. Like people <laughs> from your church, people who, you know, through your husband, people who, you know, in all these different ways. And that was, that was a really smart way to think that through. Um, so we'll talk about like how you sent the email out in a minute with, uh, to, to a lot of people, but um, just to get into the content of it a little bit, just so our listeners know, we're going to be posting in the podcast notes a, a link to the article that Coastly wrote about uh, the, this whole journey and the letter and the email that she sent out. So you actually get to see the email itself. But um, Coastly, I just want to ask you, um, when you were thinking about the um, email itself, one of the first things you did in the email, because I'm, I'm just going to mention this to uh, highlight it for people, is that you were very specific in terms of what you were interested in doing. You said that you said copywriter or content strategist with experience working in beauty, family or kid brands. And you put this right up front in the first paragraph and then you included a link to a portfolio of I, I just uh, writing samples, maybe. But yeah. um, so. Is that because you knew right from the beginning that this you were on exactly the right career path to begin with, with copywriting and and um, content strategy, or 
like, how did you figure out that that was still what you wanted to do? Hmm. That's a really good question. I've written a lot of sales emails. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. a lot of what I know, just a lot of um, onboarding emails. So I think some of my email has to do with that. But I honestly didn't spend very much time on the actual email itself. But I just knew right. I knew right away I needed to be as specific. You know, the the better, the more specific you are, the more upfront, the better. People are busy. They don't want to read the entire email. They want to know right up yeah. front. If you're asking them for something and they want to know exactly where they can click to find out more. Um, so right away it was like, I was like, I'm (laughs) just going to set the stage and then hit you right at the beginning to let you know, this is specifically, I wasn't going to go work for, I just knew I, I I just, the majority of my experience has been working for like lifestyle brands or in the mom or kid space. And I love doing that or like in the beauty space. So it's like, I love doing that. Let's see how specific I can get. If I don't get any react, you know, any response, then I know I need to broaden and I need to be like a little more open to things. But I had worked for long enough that I kind of knew what kind, and mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to try to be picky about the companies that I would want to work with and not just work for for anybody. So I don't know. My husband always says he has has very um, I don't know. He just often says the right thing at the right time, but he's like, he, his idea of my career, he always helps me reflect back when I'm feeling, mm-hmm. but he's like, you know, it's more about your story. You know, he's like, it's the story you can tell to others about like what the journey has been. He's like, I do that myself. You know, it's kind of like I went, what was it from me going to a design firm, to a startup, to a tech company, to, you know, international tech company, you know, he's like, he's like, and for you, it's a lot of like, you did full-time, you, you reverse courses, you became a freelancer kind of, and then like self-taught freelancer. Then you developed your client list and then took a little step back as you had kids and then, but kept growing your client list and trying to find your story of like what type of companies you worked for. It's like design, um, lifestyle brands, um, and any other kind of companies that are more developed startups that have a strong design sense. Like that's the typically the type of companies that I work, work with. So I think in setting this, I, that was what I was leading to. And then that's why I included a link to my portfolio, which is actually a Google slide show. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, you can turn this up, but it's Google slides. It's, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, and I've had the paper portfolio. I've had the PDF. I can do it into a PDF. I think the Google slides has... <laughs> been so great people always respond like oh i love that you just have a google doc like basically it's they just open on google like it's so easy and it's easy for me because i can add stuff anytime or edit right and i can control who sees it right it's right um, it's really awesome i don't know why to do that sooner i just did that the last couple years but yeah that's a good tip everyone should make a note of that and you can have like you know links in there so people Mm-hmm. I think like your website and have to, having and I have a website too, but I don't keep my current work on there. I keep that in the in the Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also talked in your letter about like very specifically about not being ready for full time work, but preferring some kind of contract or freelance arrangement. And how, did that take you a long time to think through? Because I think you ended up going back full-time, right? So what was the, tell us a little more about the evolution of that thinking. I think the, so yeah, in the email, I said, I'm only available for 
was it freelance or consulting part-time position. Like I had mm-hmm. two, one child we were putting in childcare, two, and then one at home who was very young, like nine months old, and then two that were in school. And we had just moved um, to this new house in Utah. Anyway, and I was thinking, I think it was a way for me to <laughs> like protect myself a little bit, like to keep to keep my expectations like minimal. And then, but also I think in the back of my mind, I was hoping like, well, gosh, if something really great comes along that's full-time, but it was always in my own head. I don't think no one else around me was telling me, you shouldn't work full-time, you shouldn't work full-time. I think in my head, I was just thinking, no, like there's no way I can do that. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs me too much, <laughs> you know, or whatever, you know, you have all these different scripts you run in your head and sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. But, um, I, if you don't mind me telling the story of why I went from, you know, writing this email where it said yeah. I was only available for part, part-time to full-time. So it, I feel like it was meant to be, <laughs> it sounds, mm-hmm. but like, um, so from the response I got from, from that email, so I went to bed. I was so embarrassed. You know, when you do something hold on, kind of, hold on. how many people did you send it to? And oh. then you went to bed. <laughs> yeah. So I sent it, I had to send it in three or four different emails because Google doesn't allow you to copy and paste that many emails. Mm-hmm. So these were people, I didn't send it to anyone I didn't know. And I would just give that, like never send this kind of email to anyone. You, These are all people I knew either really well or had spent time with them and knew that, and no, and, or had, you know, associated with them. There's no, there's not spamming anyone. Right. So, um, so this was three or four different emails and I can't remember how many email addresses you can tape or paste into uh, the two field, but quite a few. Mm-hmm. And um, I just sent them in groups and then like literally went to bed and just like, I think I cried a little bit. <laughs> Felt so mm-hmm. like a little slightly horrified and then woke up in the morning and remembered I had sent it and felt like a drop in my stomach. Like, Oh my gosh. And then checked my email and I had just a bunch of responses and I screenshot them in the article and it didn't include very many, um, but I got so many of, and a lot of them were just friends or friends of friends saying like, I wish I had sent this email. This Mm. is genius. And and people Mm. saying like, not only did you send this email, like a hundred percent, if I hear of something, I mean, I'll let you know, I'll send, let me send a couple DMs to people. I saw something posted on Instagram, someone hiring, um, oh, my brother just started at this company and he was, you know, he's the director of content there. Let me get a hold of him. Like it's bananas how if people know what you want and need, they will, they will absolutely go to bat for you. People didn't know I was looking for a job. I always thought people, mm. you know, you don't, you assume people know that the people around right. you know what you want or whatever, but until you like send it and apparently until you send it into an embarrassing email, people don't know. <laughs> so, but from, from this email, I got a couple responses that were just immediately like, let's get on a call. Like, let's get on a call. I need, I would love to hire you. And so there was a couple of calls within the next few days. And one of those was, um, a design director at a large tech company in San Francisco who my uh, my husband had worked for and um, who I had talked to in the past and had mentored me a bit and like referred me to positions at this company. And she said, you won't believe it, but I did yoga with my neighbor this morning and we were literally leaving yoga and like sweating. And she said, I need to hire like content person or like, I think they call it like a content strategist. Like, let me know if you know anyone. And then this woman goes into work and like checks her email and she has my email wow. from the night before. And she's like, 
And she emails me right away. She's like, this is crazy. She's like, you know, let me know how it goes, but I'll like introduce you. Mm-hmm. So, and then this was the job. She introduced me to this this woman who was the CEO of this this company, and within a week, we I started week and a half. I started the job. Wow. So, I mean, it was so serendipitous, and it also just felt like <laughs> and it's a little hippy dippy, but it was like if you just like put it out there. I think a yeah. lot of the times, and I think it's just people like going to work for you, and you do the same for them. But it's it's mm-hmm. like just putting it out there. It really is powerful in some ways. So I'm not just good lesson, but <laughs> well, it's such a good message for people to. It's okay to put this out there. Like you were very thoughtful about it. You knew who you were sending it to, and you wrote it in a certain way. And I know you had that moment of being mortified, but um, you know, then you found out that th- this actually turned into something. So um, you actually you ended up though in a full-time job and yes. right. So how did you, once that got offered to you, did you think, okay, Oh, wait a minute. It's full-time. How am I going to manage this? Or did it, things just kind of fall into place? You absolutely just fell into place. So it's kind of an interesting thing because we does. hear relaunchers are just like you're saying, you think there's too much going on in my life. I can't actually be in a full-time job. And then it, some people will try to get that really like substantive part-time job and they just can't find it. So they think, okay, fine, I'm going to look for full-time jobs. And then they get one and they're like, oh, I actually can do this. Right. You know? It's. I think it's a, yeah, there's something about the mental energy <laughs> or something also with the part-time that sometimes I think I was like scaring myself off. But um, yeah, it very much fell into place. I think I said yes and signed the offer letter like at the end of the week and then and then and I hadn't even found like childcare for our youngest yeah. single husband. We, yeah I mean they were kind of cra- a little bit crazy but he was like we can find something and I just got on I got you know bought a membership for care.com and I was like I have to find someone this weekend oh, yeah. and in two days we had met a few people and then I hired one and she was I've never had a nanny before and it was that was also just a really amazing experience. Cause I think for years I'd said I could never have a nanny. Well, I mean, I couldn't afford a nanny, but then I could actually yeah. afford it. Like having one was like, this is incredible. I have people yeah. in my circle in the corner with me. Is this what people have been talking about? Like right. this, right. this is really amazing. So it, it did really fall into place. Of course there was like some bumpiness, but overall it was just like a very overall, very positive thing. And I, I hadn't been that happy waking up, <laughs> you know, wow. just so excited to get dressed for my, it was all remote. So I just, uh-huh. I mean, you have a home office. I just did it from a desk in our, our bedroom actually um, off to the side, but it was just so exciting. It felt like a real, you know, I was like, this is real. It's kind of weird. I'm doing it from my bedroom, but this is a real job. Yeah. So yeah, really exciting. Yeah. Just I'm glad you did the share shout out to care.com. I just <laughs> did a um a session on Clubhouse with Sheila Marcello, who's the oh. founder of care.com. Uh and she's a really amazing person. So love that you use care.com. I was a little skeptical, but I had a fantastic experience That's using that. Great. Um so w- were there any conversations at home with your husband with your kids when you were taking this job on now the idea that it was remote and you had some control there and no commute that's really a big deal Mm -hmm. but um still you're taking on a full-time job were there any discussions about did things have to shift at all at home or was having the au pair sort of that 
missing link that kept everything going smoothly. Yeah. Um, there were, and there were also some physical, so I was nursing. So, and so, so yeah, so I actually weaned and he, I think he, and we were both kind of ready. So it was kind of like, we, so yeah, that was pretty quick. Like over the next week, I actually weaned my son because I knew it would, it would just be too hard for me. I wouldn't be able to, to do it. Um, so we did that and that was, that was fine actually. And then of course my husband had lots of conversations, but it was a lot of him being, he's pretty relaxed and he was mm-hmm. like, I'm excited. Like, he was just like, mm-hmm. this is great. Like, I can't believe you, like, it, you know, I, this is, I can't believe you did this. This is like so awesome. And it was it's a lot of him, like, it'll be fine. He wasn't worried mm-hmm. about it at all. Um, I think for me, and maybe I was, I don't know, I just felt like, you know, maybe you don't understand, you know, I kept telling him, I don't think you understand how much I do because mm-hmm. I'm going to start working and a lot of things are going to fall. Like the balls right. are going to dropping and I think you realize how much I actually was doing and I don't mean that in a cruel way but I think mm-hmm. there's a lot that we keep in our brains and we manage that a lot of people don't <laughs> the, the partner doesn't always realize and he does a lot of that too but when you're this when you're the full-time stay-at-home parent mm-hmm. um and a lot of balls did drop but then I really quickly realized that a lot of them didn't matter <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't really they were yeah. fine there was nothing of long-term importance you know so mm-hmm. that was fine. And then my kids, yeah, my kids, if anything, I wished for, I was like, guys, I got it. I'm going to work. And we did a little like apple juice toast together. Uh, and they're like, nice. you've got a job. And then it was fun to be able to explain to them, you know, what I was going to be doing. And then they kind of didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> <They're really laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, well, Coastly, we're actually really running out of time now. Um, And I love having this conversation with you, but I want to skip to our final question, which is the one we ask all of our podcast guests. And that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something we've already talked about today? Hmm. I would say, listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Once I like kind of got out of my own way and let myself hear myself. Mm-hmm. Then I was able to speak up, like speak up and communicate more what I needed and wanted, and that made all the difference. Mm. That's a great, great message for people. Um, just as we're winding down now, um, can you just tell people the website where they can see the email that you posted and your your story about it? Yeah, it's on medium.com and I believe it's, yeah, it's at coastlycummings.medium.com and <laughs> you probably can want you me to spell that. Can you spell yeah. that? Yeah, um, so Coastly is spelled K-O-S-E-L-I and then Cummings, C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S dot medium.com and I have a few other things on there as well, but the article is, is linked there. Great. All right. Well, Coastly, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much, Carol. It was really, really fun to talk. It's great to talk. And thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the CEO and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host. 
For more information on iRelaunch conferences and events, to sign up for our job board and access our return to work tools and resources, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.